Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Living Astrology with Janet Hickox, and it's Astro Inklings Day also with Tam Veyu. That means it's time to grab your cup of coffee or your tea or water or apple juice or whatever you're drinking. Sit back and relax while we talk to you about what is up in the stars above us. And today, of course, happy November to everybody. Happy El Dia de los Muertos. All Saints Day, whichever day that you call this one, it is a celebration of having come through the dark of the night and into the new day. Let me Spirit. say it. I never think to say this. Rabbit, rabbit. What? 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 What, what? what does that mean? Rabbit, rabbit. I don't know. On the first day of every month, you're supposed to say rabbit, rabbit. I think it's a uh, United Kingdom thing. <laughs> rabbit, rabbit. Rabbit represents luck and fortune and... Rabbit, rabbit to you. Rabbit, <laughs> rabbit. Here we are. Let's go, rabbit, rabbit. And on top of it being a new month and me getting to visit with one of my favorite people, it is also launch day for the 2024 Energy Almanac. Yay! And look what she has in her hand at the moment, the Energy Almanac. Gotta love it. You only got two months left over here. 12 months of good, juicy information right here. I love it. You know, the Energy Almanac now is in its sixth year. Is that correct? Right? Because last year we celebrated the fifth year. Yep. So it's Book now in its six. sixth year. Yeah. And it is gaining speed, if you will. It is gaining readership. It is gaining yeah. momentum. People are interested in it. Mm -hmm. And of course, yours truly writes the gifts and the shadows for each week. And Tam has taken on the hugest tall order of not only writing in it, but doing all of the artwork and the production and the selling and the marketing and the keeping all of us writers corralled in and on track. Oh my God, I do not know how you do it. I, I sometimes don't know how I do it either, but then I would call my friend Janet who would say, but you're a manifesting generator and you love having a lot of projects and it's all good. <laughs> I say that because it's true, right? It's true. It, it, if you didn't have, if you didn't have as much to do, you might be bored, yeah. or you might be um, what I would say in some sort of doldrums. Because what happens for you, uh, uh, manifesting generators anyway, is it is harder for you if you do not have enough to do than if you have too much to do. Yep. Right. I that burns in me all the time. That That is the truth yeah. of, of how I am wired. It's it's difficult for my family to understand for sure. <laughs> this, is me. this is who I am. Yeah. They don't need to understand as long as you understand who you yeah. are. And at this point, you know, multitasking and handling multiple projects at a time is really something that's good for you as long as they are the right projects, yes. Yes. the right work for yeah. you, something that you're passionate about. Right. As soon as you lose the passion for what you're doing, boom, time to change, time right. to go somewhere else. Yep. Now I'm going to post up the link where you can get your copy of the Almanac. Yes. And I'm going to show that link. It's taking a long time this morning to put up stuff. There, there we go. go. There it is. And uh, that to be fair and to be transparent is a link that I also get a um, spiff from 
So when you order, it helps me. And of course, it helps to get this information out there. So that brings us to today, Tam, and our talk about the energies coming up for the month of November. What do you think about November? Well, I was flipping through what I have put in the almanac for 2023. And yes, that one, exactly. Like, look, mine's all highlighted. I always, against my mother's wishes, I always recommend you write in your book. I do (laughs) typically do that. Well, I am reminded that November, there's tons and tons of psychic energy or psychic moments or um, it's called intensely intuitive for the month yes. of November. And I think that's really going to play out well. Um, before we jump into why all of that, I do want to let people know if you don't have the book, um, the stone of the month is Herkimer Diamond mm. and Amethyst. I love Herkimer. This for 2023, I really like that's been my thing I've been wanting to play with. So Herkimer for November, and that brings clarity of thought, kind of clears the mental fog. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Amethyst, and um, Amethyst, I, it's, I'm not an amplifier, but Amethyst, um, it's, it's the chakra, the crown chakra. So um, Amethyst will also help amplify those intuitive hits. And how about this? And we should probably talk about this as we talk about Scorpio energy. The essential oil or the aromatherapy for the month of November is actually frankincense. And frankincense is the essential oil of truth. So think about two things. Sagittarius energy, which comes in November. Sagittarians are the truth tellers, right? Right, right. And Scorpio are kind of more like the mysterious, manipulative sort of energy who should tell the truth. (laughs) <laughs> so, <laughs> well, they certainly dig to the bottom of the well to get to the truth. There we and go. And then they have to decide: Am I going to share this truth, or right, is this just right. for me to know? <laughs> so I love wide? get your frankincense oil out for November and use it. And it's so like talk about intuitive hits. I grabbed a brand new bottle of frankincense about a week ago. So, oh. and I didn't read ahead. I didn't cheat and read ahead. I just like I need frankincense. Got some ready. Ready for the month. <laughs> Good for you. I love the smell of frankincense. I used to have a metaphysical bookstore and every morning I would go in and that was the scent of the day, no matter what day it was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was always going to be the one that I gravitated toward. Yep. Uh, and so that reminds me to go get to my oil kit and bring it out. Thank you yes. for bringing that up. You're welcome. So November, intensely intuitive. It is, you know, a month where we have, well, the first up to this week that's of any note is Saturn turning direct. Yes, the third. And on the, uh, well, I have it on the fourth, third at, let's see, what time do I have it? Um, At 10, 17 p.m. Pacific time. So for me on the third, for you on the fourth. So most sources that are coming out with uh, times usually put it in either universal time or East Coast of the U.S. So you're gonna see it's either going to be on the third or the fourth doesn't really matter because when this giant planet chooses to move retrograde or goes forward Mm -hmm. um it's big news and that is like overshadowing the entire uh week even including today right because right now he is hanging around this the degree of the sign that he is turning direct in yes so we're there we're we're there 
even if we're not officially there. Yeah, correct. And this really mirrors back to March 7th when he began his journey into Pisces. So you can kind of, if you, I, I always tell people this, Tam, when a planet like Saturn is moving into a new sign, I say, you know, take notes, journal, what's going on? Because the thing is, we're always going to have sort of these reverbs, right, that go backwards and and call us backward to that day uh, or to that time right around, you know, the moment that the planet moved in. What was going on in your life around March uh, or, uh, 2023? So six months ago, basically, five months ago. And uh, what might you see now that is important for you as the planet is back at the degree pretty much that he entered the sign in and is going to be moving ahead at this point in time. It's kind of always fun to look at it that way. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, some people may ask, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just going to say, and so begins the month of November being intensely intuitive. Um, Saturn and Pisces. I mean, if you're doing your work and you're being disciplined and adding, adding in your spiritual disciplines there we go spiritual disciplines boy it doesn't get any more succinct than that with saturn and pisces right um exactly. you, know, you really can hone in and use that that intuition and that creative energy as well yeah and you know saturn i always like to think of him as you know form and structure he's right. the discipline in our lives right and he's plunked himself into a sign that has no discipline mm-hmm. right? that has no form has no structure yeah. so it is for all intents and purposes for all of us, kind of like corralling cats at this yeah. point, right? And we have to really focus our efforts on being in the spirit of what we're doing or of who we're being, because it's not easy to come by while Saturn is in this sign. And at the same time, we're also having to destruct or deconstruct boundaries and things that have held us too tightly in place right so it's really a great opportunity for all of us at this point no matter where you have pisces in your chart no matter where you have your natal saturn to take a look at where you have been too tied up in the shoulda coulda woulda's the boundaries have been too tough or not tough enough and to reevaluate how all of that is taking place in your life Right. So I wanted to review just for a minute. What is Saturn in Pisces about? Um, And by the way, this transit of Saturn in Pisces isn't something that is short. Right. You're going to learn lessons across the time. He moved in there March 7th and he doesn't leave until May 24th of 2025. So we still have a full. What would that be? 18 months worth of his transit here. And the whole purpose of Saturn in Pisces is to bring this spiritual growth. And to trigger our compassion and our creativity and our imagination and not just to let it sit up in our minds and, you know, inform us, but to actually form something with it, do something with it. Right. Right. Um, I I actually think about. um, I kind of lost my train of thought. Sorry about that. It's it's, um, getting you out of your own way, kind of, I think. Yeah, you know, out of complacency and out of um, martyrdom. Uh, woe is me. Pisces can be woe is me. And do you agree? Are you? Oh, yes, I, I'm having I'm having an aha moment as okay. you're talking. 
Okay. So if I looked like I was off in la la land, I was because I just had an aha moment about my own thinking over these past few months while Saturn has been retrograde mm. and definitely taking me into the victim martyr uh, <laughs> yeah. energy I'm, that I totally I'm, forgot about. You're not alone for sure. I mean, all of us have that part of us in us, but um, I, I think it's worth looking at and working on the, the word deconstruct yeah. that you used. I love that. Like that's the word that I wrote down deconstruct. That's perfect. I love it. So now we know Pisces, of course, the last sign of the Zodiac is all about the dissolution of boundaries. Um, and it, it has this energy of merging with the divine and the collective consciousness. So it prompts us all to feel more in it together kind of feeling, right? That, that we're not alone in the struggles. We're not alone in um, living on this planet where, you know, bombs are dropping on people. People are, you know, scrambling for their lives and people like in your own state being murdered, just out bowling or, you know, having a good night. Um, So living in this level of uncertainty, Saturn in Pisces can help us ground ourselves in our spiritual beliefs. Right. And that forms the foundation. Saturn loves foundations. Pisces loves spirit. So what does that mean? Then our foundation really switches from just purely the physical realm to also include the divine or the spiritual realm. And I also think that Saturn and Pisces teaches us some valuable lessons about sacrifice what does that really mean Mm. about service and what does that really mean uh and surrender you know sacrifice service and surrender i like the word um with saturn seriousness because i think saturn is very serious so what if we're getting serious about our spirituality Mm. really buckling down and and using it and thinking and compassion and all every word that's pisces getting serious about it yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not only to your fellow human beings, but also to yourself. Sure. Right? We tend to leave us out of the equation a lot. See that piece of art back there? Yeah. That's that is a piece of painting. That's a piece of art I made for myself and it's about compassion. I I'm that Virgo, right? I can dish out all the service to everybody I can produce, I can do for other people. And the whole like Pisces Virgo axis. I'm real. I'm very good at being compassionate for others, but not for myself. Hence, <laughs> a piece of art to remind myself: self-love is okay. Having compassion for my own needs, my own self, my own hurts and wounds. Um, compassion is a big part of of that. Yes, indeed. So these are the big theme. This, you know, really sets the theme for the month of November. Sure. There's a, there's other things going on to be sure to be sure, but. Um, Saturn turning direct is a big one and kind of, you know, he doesn't just like suddenly speed ahead, but he slowly gathers steam and reminds us all of the different facets of our, our existence here on the planet. And because he's the planet of structure and form and karma, right? Don't forget that word. Um, it means that there's lessons and challenges ahead, right? Or especially ones that we've had since May, when he turned direct. And we may see those sort of things that we did in response to those challenges, start to bear fruit, 
mm. right? Start to come to fruition. Mm -hmm. And that's because in May we would have had, you know, to, a, a lot of inner stuff would have had to, to start shifting and morphing. Mm -hmm. And until Saturn makes that move to direct, we don't see the effects or the F of our efforts in the outer world as much. So we get to start to see the tangible effects of the things that we've done. And that's always a good thing. Right. Um, and it is also an open invitation then for us to balance our spiritual and our physical earthly um, existence or our approach to life in general. So lots of good stuff with this one transit. Yeah, if, if you're doing soul work, this is a great one. <laughs> <laughs> if you're doing any kind of work on yourself. Yeah. Um, this is a great time to get a reading or to get, you know, some coaching um, to even, you know, get, you know, deeper into journaling or, um, you know, asking questions of yourself, right? What, what have I learned from this Saturn in retrograde? What were the challenges I experienced from May until now? And nine times out of 10, you're going to be able to trace that down to the house that Saturn or Pisces is in your chart. So, and sometimes you might need some astrological wisdom um, to get you there. So get a reading <laughs> or get some self-study going, right? Do some work. Um, so when I looked at the month of November, Tam, I really saw that the month was, I mean, other than a few, you know, big things, Venus moving into Libra, Mars moving into Sagittarius, Mercury into Sagittarius, that most of the month was about the relationships between planets. Mm -hmm. Aspects. Like, yeah, aspects, otherwise known as aspects. And as you, you know, I, as well, I get my calendar and I don't know if you can see this, but I highlight and I, you know, like you write in books, right? Um, I as I was highlighting them every week, there is anywhere from three to sometimes four or five aspects going on between planets. Now, I'm not saying that that's unusual, but to me, when I looked at that, it is something that I think we need to really talk about. What does it mean? Like, for example, tomorrow, the sun is in an opposition to Jupiter. Mm -hmm. So what does that mean? Right. Because a lot of people go, oh, because we talk about it all the time, you know, different things like that. But what does it really mean to have two planets in opposition? So I wanted to talk about what that means in terms of the relationship between the planets. So are we going to talk about like the four major ones? We're going to go through all of them. Well, I have a list of them because I recently taught an astrology basics class. So I have all of the major ones. I don't I, I, I think it's worth it to bring up some of the minor ones when they show up. But, you know, for this calendar, what I get are the big ones, the oppositions, the squares. Name, name the, the ones up. that you consider big ones. Oppositions and conjunctions, mm -hmm. sextiles, mm -hmm. trines and squares. Perfect. That's what I would have I would have said. Good. But then if I see a quincunx, which is also called an inconjunct, yep. I will hone in on that one just because I know how difficult those can be. And I think it adds to um, the discussion of any day's energies that has that is hosting a quincunx. Uh, but for this morning, there's a couple of words that people need to understand because astrologers will use them quite frequently. The first one that I think of is the word orb, right? Orbs. What does that mean? Mm -hmm. uh, because 
you know, when planets are coming into these aspects with one another, there's a certain number of degrees between the two of them that we consider being actually in that aspect. So typically for the bigger ones, like we just talked about the square, the, all of those that we just named, the um, aspect that I use is about six degrees. So that would be say two degrees coming, two degrees of, and then two degrees after. Mm -hmm. So anywhere in that is called an orb, yep. right? And in that we say that the planets are being, they're influencing one another already. So even though tomorrow is the day that the sun is in opposition to Jupiter, you might as well already consider it happening right now mm -hmm. because it's building, right? It's in its um, building phase and then it'll be in the actual opposition and then it will wane. Right. So that's the way these transits work. Now, when we use the minor uh, planets or the minor aspects like the quincunx or in conjunct, um, the semi sextile and things like that, which we are not probably going to talk about today. Um, those aspects or orbs, excuse me, is usually about one or two degrees. Oh. Very, very has to be pretty darn close mm -hmm. in order for it to be impactful in uh, your chart or in your life. Does that make sense? Oh, perfect. Makes perfect sense. I would, I'm going to just try to get it down a little bit. The orb is the range of degrees that planets can be working with each other in. Yes. Yep. Now, of course, there are exceptions to those rules too. So sometimes like if you have a lot of planets in, uh, let's say, uh, Pisces, and let's say they are at six degrees to eight degrees of that sign. We know that if you have multiple planets there and a planet like Saturn is changing direction, the impact is likely going to start the moment that planet changes direction. Mm -hmm. So you can just, we can be a little more generous with the orbs when we know there's a lot going on in a particular sign. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, the opposition, because that's what I brought up first, um, an opposition is a, a relationship where the planets are, as you would expect, 180 degrees from one another. So what we're saying here is that the sun is 180 degrees away from Jupiter. And that is called an opposition. And we can we sometimes call this seesaw energy, right? Because both planets, like it's not that the sun is more important in this or that Jupiter is more important in this. It's just that we might swing from one extreme of the expression to another while the transit is taking place. And it might be uncomfortable. It could be frustrating. So we can say that the sun opposite of uh, Jupiter can be frustrating. And what's being frustrated? Mm -hmm. The energy of the sun, mm -hmm. right? Your personality, what you do. And it might be being frustrated or challenged by Jupiter in Taurus that both wants growth and expansion, but also practicality of expression. Right. How do I grow practically? and demonstrate my gifts and my talents from the sun, my ego energies, my personality energies in a practical down to earth sort of way. I'm, I'm thinking about the fact that sun is in Scorpio. 
um, Jupiter's in Taurus. And so she's talking about uh, the Taurus practicality. Scorpio. So what, what, what went off in my head is they're both about money. Scorpio has that um, other people's money, OPM, we call it, um, mm -hmm. joint money. And then Taurus, this more singular money. And I'm, I'm, and value systems, the self worth, the Taurus developing that, you know, what matters to me kind of thing. And I'm, I'm wondering if societal economy is bumping up against um, your son, yourself, your Scorpio money and creating a frustration. The economy certainly is out of whack right now, right? <laughs> yes. It's ridiculous what's going on out there. But um, both of those signs are involved with that. And here's the balancing act. We have to balance our, ooh, can I say this? Can We have to balance our greed or our wanting and desiring more and more and more with the Scorpio side that says, if you want to add more, you've got to delete something. Yeah. Right. At some point, if you keep adding things to your computer or to your phone, what happens? You get a message. Right. You're out of storage. Right? right. You don't have any more room here. Um, you have to delete something. Um, so here is an invitation then for us to delete, <laughs> to let go, to uh, release ourselves from something in order to grow and expand appropriately. Otherwise, we're just adding to the pile of trash that is uh, the earth at times, right? Or I always think of this is in hoarding situations. This is like, funny. This like you're, you're reflecting on, um, oh yeah, I get that. Taurus does, they're the collector. They are the collector. So yeah, you're, you're calling them greedy, but I tend to think about the practical side of Taurus and, and just from personal experience with some Scorpios that I know, they come off as the greedy ones. So it's written, it, I kind of got confused because I'm, I'm relating it to my personal experience. So I was like, <laughs> and I'm not saying that they are greedy. No, I'm no, saying that the energy of greed is a part of, greed, of it. No, I'm not yeah. saying specific people, but yeah, that's interesting. Okay. Yeah. And of course the bigger energies of the world at the moment are moving away from that earthly production and uh, moving toward more, making more money. Now you might look at the world and go, uh-huh, yeah, that's not happening. But essentially, the further we go into the air age, away from the earth age, the further we're going to get into um, seeing things in a different way, going more digital. And a digital, like I went to um, purchase my 2024 uh, Pleiadian Earth calendar, and it isn't a physical calendar anymore. It's just digital. Right. So there's, so, so there's no physical product. And that's part of the air age, right? We're going to see this more and more, the physical being released in order for the digital or the cloud storage, the, yeah. So, uh, and it's not that the physical act, like money at some point. I mean, what do you hear about all the time? Just a digital economy. Digital currency. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. The going away of paper money. Yeah, the going away of paper money, the going away of paper like bills, mm -hmm. like every one of my credit cards, every one of my uh, utilities, they all have paperless billing. Um, I got a notice from my doctor, paperless billing started July 1st, and you're not getting any more paper statements. So weird. It's, it's But you're... This uh, is the age of air. So it's the age as, of Aquarius, and we have to roll with it. 
Yeah. So as we start to move like this, this opposition is just one indication of what we're letting go of and what we're moving toward. Yep. And needing to balance them, right? We can't completely let go. It just because there's too much built upon what we have. Um, but we can let go of what is no longer serving us or working or what doesn't make sense. Um, okay. I have a question about this opposition that is, so it's Jupiter. So we're in that energy already. This orb is a six degree orb. Yeah. Okay. Six degree orb. I count them as six degrees. And like I said, I break it up two coming two in and two going, which gives us maybe three degrees, you know, on either side of exact. And for some people who are super sensitive, you may feel it, you know, before it happens. For others, you don't even notice it. And again, all of that relates to what your chart looks like. Right. You know, what are, where are where, where's Taurus and Scorpio in your chart? And then um, if we keep carrying the opposition theme, which is balancing opposites, the very next day, the day Saturn turns direct here for the, the uh, U.S. Um, or for the West Coast, Venus becomes opposed to Neptune. Um, and this, yes. so we ha and so the whole first week of this month is one long train of, of oppositions. As the on the fourth, we also have Mercury opposing Uranus. Mm -hmm. So for the next few days, everybody think about what opposing forces are taking place between the Sun and your Jupiter, or Jupiter in transit, and now Venus opposing Neptune. Right. So now we have two principles of love energy. Right. Venus, love, relationships. So physical love, Neptune, unconditional love or spiritual love. I am, right? I'm looking at the almanac. That triggered me to say, OK, Venus, what did Janet write about in the prediction for November 6 through 12? Because that's when that will play out. Right. Yeah. And you wrote about Venus moving through the spleen center, triggering um the shadows around value and relationship um it's in the shadow of perfection and being our harshest critic it's right. reevaluate your self-worth huh yeah yep 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 so um venus ends up there starting on november 12th actually is when oh, the exact is but she's already heading into that energy so it's very much a part of you know the experience that we're having and with venus it almost always plays out in our relationships yeah. and in our money yeah. and in our self-worth slash value right mm -hmm. so those are the areas that you're going to uh have this um need i think this is about bringing in more love all mm -hmm. around love all around right love to oneself and love to one's family, to community, to uh, source, just love all the way around. And the opposing here is about how do we embody both in on this planet? How do we embody spiritual love, but also engage love between one another, right? It's all fun and games until somebody does something you don't like, right? Right. Or says something you don't like. And then we get mad or we get confrontive or we get, you know, irritated and strike back. So this is the opportunity we have to be able to balance these two love energies. 
and you know asking yourself questions in this first week of november about how much do you love yourself and how does right you've got it right there the little angel um and the angel of self-love right didn't you call her that uh, in the beginning so self-love and how does that apply to my relationships and how does that apply to uh, the relationships further out even because um, the further you go from being a per in a personal relationship, the more it is your beliefs about who you are in the grander scheme of things, the bigger, wider world. Hmm. And of course, Neptune is the ruler of Pisces. Yes. And let's see, hold on. There's Neptune stuff this month. Yeah. Well, Neptune uh, in these transits. Next month, Neptune is going to turn direct. That, that's what it is. I, I went ahead into December. Yes. No. Yeah. Going direct next month. Exactly. You're like me, always uh, living a month ahead of time or yeah. a year ahead of time, even. <laughs> uh, now, on the fourth, we have the opposition between Mercury and Uranus. And here's what I think is so fun about this Venus is the, or Neptune is the higher uh, uh, aspect of Venus, right? And yes. Mercury is the lower aspect of Uranus, or I could say it the other way, Uranus is the higher aspect of Mercury. Yep. So if Mercury rules the mind and, you know, kind of our thinking processes, Uranus rules our thinking processes when we gain insight right. or ahas or revelations. Mm -hmm. So having Mercury opposing Uranus is akin to being open-minded and ready to receive inspiration. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that transit is um, none to, nothing to be afraid of, and more more to be looking forward to to see what can I gain under this transit. Yeah, yeah I agree with you. Yeah, but I can also see that it can also be the point where some people get into anxiety, right? Really? Because Uranus, and, well, Mercury and Uranus both have a lot to do with our nervous system. I get that. Yep. In the physical body. Yep. And because Uranus is high uh, vibration uh, yep. in terms of uh, frequency, um, it can like over juice our, like if you're in worry, yep. it's going to amp up worry. But if you're in peace, it will also amp up peace. So, so like whatever it, it is. It all depends on the, if your glass is half full or half empty. <laughs> there you go. There you go, right? If your glass is half full and you're in gratitude and forgiveness and love, then this is going to feel a whole lot different yeah. than if you are in fear and you're shrinking or constricting and uh, those aha moments or those unexpected things might cut the legs out from under you. Mercury will be in Scorpio. Yes. And Uranus, of course, is in Taurus. Taurus. Interesting. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Really interesting. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Huh. So the stories, right? The stories are coming out here yeah. between these different signs and the planets that are in them. Okay. Any questions about the opposition, you guys can put in comments. Let me just say a quick good morning to everybody that's shown up because we haven't really talked about that yet. Uh, good morning to Christine Buckingham, Pam Zaruba, Joan Durchy, Teddy Hickox, Natasha Venter, and of course, Terry Hickox, my lovely husband in the other room. Oh, uh, Terry, Asa, hi. <laughs> he's had knee surgery. Uh, he had a knee replacement, so he's been home 
for, oh my gosh, six weeks now since oh, September 11th. Wow. Um, yeah, but getting better every day. Asa, good morning to you and also to, um, who is that down there? Narges, good morning to you. Happy to have you with us this morning. Sandra Jean Boyd says, aloha, gorgeous ones. She joins us from Hawaii, I'm pretty sure. And uh, so, and everybody else who's out there that I haven't seen, it looks like we have quite a few listeners. And if you are on Tam's channel and you're joining us, welcome to Astro Inklings, hey. where we get to have this astrology chat. It's all about Janet. I love it. It's all about Tam. I love it. It's all about the energy almanac. It's all about the team here, right? Team. How we work. Yeah. yeah. This is uh, great. Yep. So thank you all for joining us. And then let's go into quickly because we're already at 830. We haven't even talked about the moons. <laughs> nope. We haven't talked about the moons. But then again, there was nothing about the moon the first week, really. Um, no, that's true. You know, next week, the second week, starting uh, November 5th, the fifth is kind of quiet. The moon's in Leo that day. And I just love weekends when the moon is in Leo. It's time yes. for playing, oh, resting, oh having a good time, yep. doing my fun stuff, right? My husband's a Leo rising and, and that Leo energy is just so much fun and it's so very playful. I enjoy that energy too. Yeah, 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 I do. I love it on those weekends when Leo is in play and I don't have a lot of work that I have to do. Right. right. Okay. <laughs> Time to play. Um, all right. But as we get into the sixth on Monday, we, that's trine day. So let's talk about trines, right? Oh, we yeah, have Venus yeah. trine Pluto and Mercury's trining Neptune. Yeah. I like how they're lining up and making it easy for me to explain these things. So a trine forms when planets are in a 120 degree relationship with one another. And that puts them in elements that are alike right? So a trine is always going to be in like elements. So when we're talking about uh, Venus in a trine to Pluto, we're talking about Earth, right? They're both in Earth signs, at least at that moment. And Mercury trining Neptune, both in water signs for that moment. So a trine works out really positively because these planets get one another, because the elements that they are in get one another. Mm -hmm. So we usually think of trines as a smooth flow of energy between those planets, right? They speak the same language, maybe. Um, we are ease and flow. Those are the words that I think about with a trine. Absolutely. How about you? Yep. Harmony is the word that comes yeah. into play. In a more Leo language, I would say like they're skipping in step, you know? <laughs> yeah. They're skipping in step. Now, because they're... Uh, are always two sides to every story, right? We talked about the positive of the opposition, but as well as what the challenge is, there can be challenges with the trine. Because it's so much about ease and flow, we can get into a groove and not realize that if we tried one more thing or we tried something different, that the project or whatever it is we're working on could be so much better. Yeah. Right? Do you think maybe like, would we call that like a blind spot maybe? could be a little bit of a blind spot, a lazy spot, right? Why do more if it's, all, you don't fix it if it isn't broke kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. So when I see a lot of trines, for example, in somebody's birth chart, I have to question them about how hard they're trying to really embrace the energies of those trines. Yeah. Right? Because it can be so easy. So Venus trine Pluto, it is very easy, especially in our relationships and our love relationships, especially. Um, to 
move through empowerment, right? Or is it real easy to heal power struggles in a relationship? Possibly. Um, Mercury in the trying to Neptune, uh, Mercury's communication, right? And the mind, while Neptune takes us into the spiritual dimension, I always think about Mercury in a trying to Neptune as information that we get, intuition or inspiration or uh, an intuitive hit that kind of filters through the mind, but is of the more psychic realm or intuitive realm, like aha moments that come, but not Uranian types, but more spiritual Soft. types. Softer, more spiritual. Yes. Yeah. So the sixth is a great day for that. Uh, it is also a day when the Leo moon transits into Virgo. So there's some transition point from the fun and games into the work um, world <laughs> of Virgo. And of course, you can appreciate that. And so can I with the moon and Pluto in Virgo. Uh, then on the 8th, we have Venus moving into Libra. She loves this sign. She loves it there. She rules this sign. Home sweet home. <laughs> right? Home sweet home. And that puts us in a position of really focusing on love and on our relationships. And even, you know, she rules money. We can't get away from that. And she also rules everything to do with value and self-worth. And um, are we living aligned with our values? And so there's a lot of different things that Venus and Libra can help us like beautify, let's say. I think that's a good way. If you had to put one word to it, beautify your your um, yourself, your wallet, your relationship. If beautify is a <laughs> that's, that's perfect. That's perfect. And don't forget to include yourself in that self-love, right? We go back to your little angel sitting over your shoulder this so morning. so perfect that she's there today. She that is was, in a perfect place. That was so keenly intuitive. That was intense intuitive in November, aren't we? <laughs> yes, exactly. That's our key words. Um, now we also have a sextile. Now we a sextile is also a positive relationship between planets. In a sextile, we have a sixty degree relationship. So that puts these um, in like uh, modes. Let's say they're both either they're they they get along with one another, right? They work similar to one another. Like the talents of each are um, brought out visible. Yeah, exactly. They're complementary. In other words, complementary. And they're considered favorable. So they work well together. So what we have that same day is Mercury working well with Pluto. So the messages of transformation that are happening as Pluto is getting closer to that final degree of Capricorn uh, might be about what's left to let go of what's left to empower yourself, what's left to deconstruct in order to embrace reconstruction. Right. And and that Mercury energy is not just about communicating it, but thinking it through, analyzing the data, you yeah. know, and then being able to plan better. Right. Right. And then the very next day, Mercury moves into Sag. Mm. Oh, right. boy. <laughs> yep. I always think of Mercury in Sagittarius as sort of Promethean in that there's fire, right? Mm -hmm. There's fire and there's air. Mm -hmm. Mercury is an air planet. So it's fanning the flames of adventure. <laughs> is it fanning the flames of information? Yeah. 
truth. Mm -hmm. It could be a lot of different things, but Mercury will be in Sagittarius through, I believe, the rest of the month uh, until we get into December. So it's an opportunity for us to be more truthful. Yes. To be more transparent, perhaps, to be more interested. I think our, our conversations turn more toward um, exploring new things, trying new things, getting out of our own way. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing we'll have to watch for is Sagittarian bluntness. Yes. That's why I say watch your words. Like think before you speak. If you're a Sag, especially if you have a lot of Sag energy in your chart, watch it. It can yeah. be it can be dangerous. <laughs> it can be lethal. Words have distinct power. Oh, yes. yes. Right. And they can be used for good or they can be used to cut people down. Um, and you can't or... take them back. Once they've left your mouth, they don't come back. So okay. really, really do be careful. I mean, as much as Sagittarians can be fun and light. They also can cut like a knife. <laughs> right. And it's not because they want to be hurtful. This isn't no. necessarily hurtful energy, but they have like a straight line to the truth. And yes. that's just what they want to blurt, right? Yeah. They want to say. But sometimes that comes out in a way, if you haven't thought about what you're going to say first, <laughs> it can come out in, uh, you know, cutting. Yeah not necessarily pleasant. So we all have to be ready to think about our words before we talk. <laughs> right. Don't, don't, uh, yeah. Anyway, we'll talk more about that. I'm sure as time goes on here, uh, on the morning show now on the 11th, uh, I love it. 11, 11 veterans day, uh, here in the United States. Uh, we have Mars. That's the first Mars that we've heard about in this month. And he is in an opposition to Uranus. Uh, so Mars is um, the planet of action and dynamic motion. And again, we're in an opposition. So we have Mars who's wanting to do dynamically forward momentum type things in an opposition to Uranus, who also appreciates moving, right? He wants to elevate. He wants to change. He wants to be right. the agent of innovation and inventiveness. Um, and in an opposition, it can also lead us to taking a lot of actions that might not have been thought out very well. Rash actions. But Mars will be in Scorpio. Mm-hmm. Uranus is in Taurus. Yeah. Okay. I- I'm just thinking it all through in my head about but Mars is the ancient ruler of Scorpio. Is that correct? He is a co-ruler with Pluto. Co-ruler. Co-ruler. Yeah, he okay. co-rules the sign of Scorpio. So he's okay. empowered. Yeah. And that's there's therein lies a little bit of the danger because of the two planets, Whoa. Mars is the one that is empowered, right? Mm-hmm. Uranus is not particularly happy in Taurus. Right, right. But Scorpio loves, I mean, uh, Mars loves Scorpio. Mm-hmm. So it can lead us to rash actions. Yeah right? Inspiration strikes and we act. We don't think first, we act first, right? Uh, which means that we may be more confrontational. We may have um, a lot more reactivity versus being in response to our uh, lives in general or to the people around us. So we just want to, you know, cool it down a little bit, cool it down. I am um, 11, 11 is a big day for me. We bring the energy almanac to the natural living expo in Massachusetts. It's a gigantic expo. 
thousands and thousands of people. And I'm a speaker. I'm one of the keynote speakers that day. And I'm thinking, how can I harness this? (laughs) You can harness this by daring to say things that you might not have said. That's right. why I always fill a room, Janet, because they know I'm going to say something surprising. <laughs> Use that Mercury in Sagittarius to say truth, right? And to not necessarily sugarcoat astrology, right? So many people, you know, I think there's a lot of people out there who are closet astrologers. They absolutely love astrology. You say something about astrology, next thing you know, the room is like filled. <laughs> to the brand. I always say it's everybody's dirty little secret. They don't want to admit it, but they're right? in the closet reading the energy almanac. <laughs> I even think scientists read their horoscopes. I agree. Just so they can poo-poo it, but whatever, right? Um, it's still being read and people are interested in it. So I think that's a great day for you. Uh, the moon that day will be in Libra to, uh, let's see, 1040 a.m. It'll switch in the West Coast. So that's 11, 12, what, 140 on your coast, yeah. it will switch into Scorpio. Yeah. So what time is your talk? Uh, I'm talking in the morning under, um, under the Libra moon. In the Libra moon, which is great. I mean, honestly, I think that's perfect. Yep. Being received in a beautiful and open way by people. So yeah. I like that. Yep. Yep. Plus you have a lot of Libra planets, so it should be perfect for you. Yep. Okay. Now we go to the next week. We have the sun in an opposition to Uranus. That is about inspiration, hands down, right? Being inspired, taking inspired action. The only thing is it's the new moon that day too, right? That is the first new moon or the first moon cycle of the month. And that new moon is um, going to be loaded with uh, connection. The moon will be opposing Uranus. If the sun is opposing Uranus, so is the moon, (laughs) the new moon. Um, it will be conjunct Mars. Yep. Uh, she will be trining Neptune. She will be in a sextile to Pluto and a square to Saturn. That is a big moon for us on the 13th of November. Yep. And in a positive way, right? This is uh, the new moon of Scorpio, right? Scorpio. Mm-hmm. So it invites us an invitation to go into the depths to go into um, releasing ourselves from baggage and weight and things no longer that, ser- that serve us no longer. Um, it's a big one. It is a big one. There's so yeah. much on there. Uh, tension, passion, drive, compassion, <laughs> mystery, all things dark and sexy. Whoa. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So of the year, uh, it is a moon that is probably, it is one of the more intense Intense. New moons, yeah. yeah, intensity because it is such a giant invitation to let go of fear, right? To move beyond our stuck places, and um, yeah, so new moon on the 13th, also the sun opposing Uranus, also moon opposing Uranus. So there is this total aspect of inspiration of inventiveness of uniqueness of surprise yep unexpectedness that comes along with that new moon which always a new moon for those of you who don't know is always about starting something new right, right. moving into a new territory planting seeds yep planting seeds uh okay then later that was so there's also mercury sextile venus on the 15th it is um 
it, when we have the sextile, of course, a positive relationship between the two inner planets, one of communication and the other one of love or relationships. So I can almost imagine that being a day where people get along and maybe they're talking in uh, talking through things rather than arguing or fighting. They're working out what happened under the moon. <laughs> right? <laughs> or through the sun opposing Uranus. <laughs> or Mercury being in Sagittarius. Sorry, I put my foot in my mouth last week when I said, fill in the blank. Um, but the 17th is another big day of the month. It's a green day. It's a green day on my calendar because it's a day filled with more trines. Right, we have uh, Mars in a trine to Neptune, the Sun in a trine to Neptune, and we also have the Sun conjunct Mars. High energy, moving through the the field, moving through our charts, that prompts us to become more spiritual, mm. to be more contemplative, mm. to be more uh, uh, self-aware, more in self-love, more forgiving, more gratitude. You put in the the feel-good word, and that's kind of that. Friday, the 17th of the month. Kind of cool. On the moon that day's in Capricorn. E. That's maybe telling us also we have work to do. <laughs> yeah. Right. Some practical hands-on action around okay. those kinds of themes. The following week, we have the 20th with the sun in a sextile to Pluto. And that is positive reconstructive energy or constructive energy being able to move yourself forward the moon is also in a square that day to the sun so we have these cycles we always talk about the new moon but then one week later we end up at the first quarter moon which then begins a crisis of action yes what do we do right right we have this plan uh our goal our intention but now what do i do right <laughs> And we can get caught up in or stuck feeling because we don't know what to do next. Mm -hmm. uh, so that square is often a day where we might need to pause, pause in our moving forward just to be able to get a read on, well, where is this energy pushing me to? What is this energy, you know, wanting from me? Where's the path of least resistance, perhaps, in this case, right? Uh, the 21st, we have Mars in a sextile to Pluto. So we had the Ooh. sun sextiling Pluto, and now we'll have Mars sextiling right. Pluto. So those two work well together under any circumstance, whether it's a square, an opposition, yep. because they both co-rule Scorpio. Right. Right. So they're both working well together. The following day, the sun moves into Sag. Right now we enter into that time period of the year where we have that exploring and discovery and adventure um, sort of feel. We have Jupiter holding sway because she, he is the ruler of Sag. So we have optimism and we have some growth potential. It's a pretty good day uh, all in all. And then the very next day is Thanksgiving uh, in the U.S. And that day the sun is squaring Saturn. Oh, so I'm just going to tell you all now, be good to your relatives on Thanksgiving. <laughs> Holy cow, the sun when it squares Saturn can be sort of a power struggle uh, within the authority figures of the family, like mom and dad get into a fight mm -hmm. or uh, the father and the father-in-law at the same dinner table struggling to, you know. So everybody be kind and generous. 
and thankful and filled with gratitude and forgiving on Thanksgiving Day, because that is one. Now, it's not all bad, right? Because the sun always brings the gift of light to the table, in this case, <laughs> the table of Saturn. So how is it that we can, you know, really um, generously be in gratitude about the foundation that we have with our family, right? Even, you know, we can just say, we don't always see eye to eye, but today I can be grateful for your presence in my life. Beautiful. I like, like your, how you're thinking. Yeah, my mind is out there somewhere today. Um, <laughs> I think I have smoke coming out of my ears because the wheels are turning right now. <laughs> lots of wheels, lots of wheels. The 24th Mars moves into Sagittarius. Yep. Now we have the adventurer spirit and the adventurer's feet, the right. feet, the getting going energy. So what new territory might you want to uh, move through? What new uh, optimistic adventure might you want to um, get yourself involved with? So wherever you have Sagittarius, that's the house that now begins to be lit up, right? Because now we've got the sun there. Now we'll have Mars there. And that energy is very hot. Mars and the sun, they're both hot. I'm nervous. So, I'm super uh, nervous. What house is that for you? Uh, well, I'm a Sag rising, and I think Mars is conjunct my ascendant. So, so you're going to have a Mars return. Yep. At the same time that you have this energy of the I am, of your identity, um, as a, you know, maybe a leader of something new coming out being pulled out of you i can't take it <laughs> yes you can yes you can uh obviously you can uh the 25th uh mars comes into a square with saturn so now our actions this is the saving grace i look at this as the saving grace because now our our, our mars inclination to move forward and to do it fast and to <laughs> Um, you know, gain momentum gets tempered a bit by Saturn's need for structure and form, a goal, a plan, right. um, administrating the plan, taking one step at a time. Right. So we have a little bit of the brake pedal uh, mm -hmm. that happens at the end of this month or on the 25th, at least, uh, might be, you know, because that, that Friday is, what do they call that? Black Friday, where everybody goes shopping Friday. crazy, right? Um, and that means Mars might have a little bit of, of, of break power from Saturn. So don't overdo it in the, in the stores. Yeah. Be a little more disciplined, right? You don't want to enter into the new year already in debt. That would be not fun. Uh, and I can't believe we're actually talking about what's coming next. Um, now, on the 26th, the last week of the month, we're going to switch over to human design for the last couple of minutes here because we have Jupiter changing gates. Now, Jupiter is always the presence of our growth, our evolution, our yes. consciousness evolution, both astrologically, but also in human design, in particular in human design. It's the gift, the reward that we get when we are doing our Saturn due diligence, right? They work hand in hand. Mm -hmm. Now, when Jupiter moves into the gate 27, that is a gate called responsibility or accountability. And it kind of says that if we are nurturing ourselves appropriately, nurturing our resources appropriately, then we can reap the bounty, right? We can get the, the good from having, you know, stayed within somewhat of our boundaries. It is also a gate that 
where we are nourishing ourselves and others, nurturing. It has a lot of nurturing energy. It's cooking for one another energy. It's gifting one another energy. It's taking care of uh, each other. But it starts with being accountable for yourself or being responsible for yourself. So Jupiter will be there for the next month. So we'll all be sort of learning more about our little angel behind Tam's back. Self-love, self-care, self-nurturing, um, being responsible. Who's responsible for your care? That What is the date that that starts? 26th of, of November. The 26th, so the, okay. The 26th, that's Sunday. Yeah. And, you know, it's a big energy. The It's on the sacral center of your human design, which means it has a lot of energy associated with it. And that energy needs to be put out toward balancing your own responsibility while also simultaneously allowing others to be responsible and accountable for their own selves. In other words, don't over nurture, but definitely nurture. <laughs> Were you just talking out of both sides of your mouth? Yes, I, my Gemini, I can do that. <laughs> Speaking of Gemini, did you go over the moon? Did I go over the moon? The second moon? Did no, 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 no. That's okay. next, right? That's on the 26th. The, new, the full moon is on the 27th. Yes. And uh, that day, the moon isn't making a whole lot of, of uh, connections with that right. full moon. Right. Uh, that is the Gemini full moon because the sun is in Sag, the opposite sign Gemini. And Mercury, the ruler of Gemini, will be in a square to Neptune that day. I'm not sure if that plays positively or if that upsets something in um, the way that we speak to one another. Right. I kind of look at it as the potential for positive expression of love, unconditional love, of spiritual uh, things. Let's so I, I, I really come down on it's a good thing. Yeah, let's yeah. let's focus there. Yeah, let's focus there. But the full moon is always a time of releasing, or of the aha moment, right? That, you know, that bright light of that full moon that shines down and you're like, oh, I could have had a V8. <laughs> um, and then the rest of the month is fairly quiet. Well, we've gone through all of the month. So yes. Mm. Yeehaw. Yeehaw. Um, but again, let's say today is the launch day for the 2024 Energy Almanac. The link that you are seeing on the screen is where you can purchase yours. It and is spiral bound. I want to tell everybody that if you love this coil bound book, which lays flat for writing, there's only literally only 100 left. I bought 500 of this kind, this binding. So only 500 left. After that, we go into a paperback version. Oh, get yours today. Get, your, get yours your today. Be one of the 100 that gets the coil bound if that is what you choose. There's also a digital format. There is. And a paperback e format. That's so. across all platforms. You can find the ebook everywhere, no matter yeah. what. Um, there's so many of those platforms now, and it's there. So Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that is it for us today. It looks like for December, we will probably actually be together in November, <laughs> the 29th, because otherwise we're at December 6th. So November 29th, look to Tam and I to be taking you on the home stretch of 2023. Wow. Cannot believe we are saying oh this. Oh my gosh. That is mm -hmm. incredible. Yeah. 
All right, Tam, thank you so much for being here with me today. It's always a pleasure. My and pleasure. thank you all for joining us and have a wonderful day. Bye everyone. Bye. Thank you. Do you wish you could better understand yourself and what is going on in the world? Well, grab your cup of coffee or tea and join the podcast Living Astrology with Janet Hickox for astrology, human design, and Gene Keys wisdom. Mondays and Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. Podcasts are available on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and your other favorite outlets.